Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby Podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reese, and I won't even be before y'all long. Normally, what I do is read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. However, today, I wanted to talk about love. So, I remember that there was this person at one point in my life that I actually was dating, and I was very fond of this individual, and so in my mind, I had conjured up that the possibility of one day being his wife, but I remember having a conversation after he and I had departed um, from an actual weekend rendezvous. And I remember um, heading back home. At that time, I lived in Longview, Texas. And I was heading back home, and I was very, very sleepy. And I heard what I consider the Holy Spirit say ever so clearly, you're going to need to get a hotel room in Tyler, Texas, because you're not going to be able to make it all the way home. So I obeyed. And I was still contemplating the weekend that I had spent with this individual. And there were a lot of red flags that had pretty much popped up during that weekend with, spent with that individual. And so I remember hearing this voice say, you know, we're going to talk about this, right? And I, I believe that was the voice of God. So I was avoiding him like the plague. I went, got ready for bed, and he told me to pull out my Bible. So... When I pulled out the Bible, he was leading me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you every single thing that it says, but my paraphrasing, love is kind, love keeps no account of wrongs, love is patient. So I go through this whole reading the scripture because he told me to read that scripture. So I'm reading the scripture not understanding why I'm reading the scripture. And then he tells me to put that individual's name in where it says love is patient, love is kind, love keeps no account of wrongs. And he was like, can you do that when you're speaking about this individual? Are you able to put that he is kind towards you, that he is patient with you, that he keeps no account of wrongs concerning you? And I was like, no. So then he said, well, when it comes to you, are you able to say you are patient towards this individual, you are kind towards this individual, you keep no account of his wrongs? I was like, yeah, no, not going to be able to do it. And so he said, I just wanted you to know this is not your husband. So, of course, that was news that I did not want to hear, but I listened because I fear God. So the moment that I obtained clarity, that he was not my husband, the trajectory of our relationship changed from that day forward. And what God revealed to me is that because I had not had an actual example of what unconditional love looked like, I was mistakenly calling lust love. Now, I know that I am not the only individual on the face of this earth that has been had that type of experience that has truly called lust 
I know that I'm not the only person that has been guilty of that. However, as time has gone on and I've learned a lot more about what love should feel like and what love should look like, it has allowed me to not use those words, I love you, so lightly and carelessly. Because now what I do is I try to see when it's concerning an individual, can I say that I am patient? Can I say that I am kind? Can I say that I do not keep account of their wrongs, not pertaining to how they are to me necessarily, but how I am when I show up and I'm ministering love to that individual? And the more that I delve into that scripture and the more that I try to make that scripture become a reality in my life, what I'm starting to recognize is that love really does not keep account of wrongs, but love requires selflessness. Love requires that you die to your flesh in a lot of ways in order for you to operate unconditionally. And what I'm starting to recognize is that when I'm looking at certain nuances of relationships, a lot of times the reason why relationships have conflict in them is because the individual or the individuals have not made that kind of commitment or that level of commitment to die to their self to die to their desires, to die to be right, to die to um, their egos. They haven't died to that. And so now it becomes a situation that you are keeping account of wrongs, that you're not being kind towards the individual, that you are not operating in love because you are selfish or you are self-centered. Love is a selfless act. And maybe that's the reason why when I hear God is love, it takes on a whole nother meaning is because in a lot of ways, the way that God loves us is very selfless. See, the reality of it is, is this. God does not force himself on anyone. He knows that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can enter to the Father except through him. But what he does is allows you, me, any of us, to get to know him when we are ready. He is selfless. He literally knows the power that he possesses, but he does not force himself on us. He doesn't make you make the choice. He instead loves you unconditionally in hopes that by your seeing how he loves you, that it may prick you to want to get to know him on a more intimate level. Love keeps no account of wrongs. So as many times as we sin and we fall short because God is love, he is not holding that against us. If we come before him and we repent and we turn from whatever sin it is that we're committing, he is quick to forgive us. How many people in your life that the minute that they do something wrong, you want to hold it over their head? And even though they ask you for your forgiveness, even though they ask you to forgive them for whatever wrong it is that they've done, you say that you forgive them, but their actions, your actions in all actuality, do not align with your words. Every chance you get, every argument that y'all have, you're bringing that alt back up. That's not operating in love. But yet you're quick to tell them that you love them. 
in my honest opinion, whenever you are telling someone that you love them, they should not only be able to hear those words, they should be able to see by your actions that you are not keeping account of their wrongs, that you are being kind to them, that you are truly operating in such a way that gives God the glory. But it's a lot of us that just we just don't do that. We don't do that. We would be we're so hell bent on being right that we don't take the time out to truly operate in such a way that would give him glory. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna read it because apparently I'm supposed to. So it says love this is um first Corinthians thirteen, four and through eight. So it says Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Again, that was 1 Corinthians, the New International Version, chapter 13, verse 4 through 8. And so my question to you today is, are you operating in love? Or are you operating in lust? Lust is so driven by fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Love sacrifices the flesh. So love operates more, in my opinion, from a spiritual perspective than it does a natural perspective. And whatever is being done in the spirit eventually manifests in the natural. So the reason why operating in unconditional love is of the utmost importance is because by doing so, you're not allowing your flesh to be the dictator. You're allowing your spirit man to be the dictator. And I truly believe that by doing that and operating in that fashion, that's how God gets the glory. Now, of course, it requires practice. Ain't nobody, unless you are God himself, able to do this on a daily basis. That's the reason why we should pray without ceasing. That's the reason why we should surrender our proclivities, our strengths, our weaknesses, like we, all the things that, that may potentially keep us from showing up as our best selves. Those are the things that I believe that we should cast on the altar, that we should give to God so that he can work those things out, so that he can show us a better way to love our people, to love each other, that's something that, and you know, because it doesn't come naturally. Naturally, we sin. But in order to elevate in him, guess what we got to do? We got to surrender our will to his will. And so my thing would be, if you're struggling with loving, give it to God. If you don't understand why it is that you choose your flesh over your spirit man, give that to God. If you want to be led by the spirit and not by your flesh, give that to God. But don't try to handle it on your own because we, I mean, you can't. One of the things about even when you're making a vow of abstinence, the reason why it's so important to constantly and daily give that over to God, 
you got to remember, abstinence. That means that you're abstaining from fulfilling the lust of your flesh. How are you going to do that on a daily basis other than giving it over to God? Trying to do that in your own strength, trying to operate and at a level of obedience in your own strength is something that you can only do for so long. It has to be a supernatural thing. It has to be where you die to your flesh and you allow your spirit man to guide you. That's And that's in any type of vow that you make, even when it comes to marriage vows, even when it comes to committed relationships. You've got to die to your flesh daily in some way, form, or fashion. Yes, you may want to be right. But there's times that you have to say, you know what, you know what, this is not about me being right as much as it is about us getting through this. What does getting through this look like for you? What does getting through this look like for me? What does getting through this look like for us? How can we grow as a couple? How can we grow in this situation individually and collaboratively? In order for you to have any type of successful relationship, it's going to require selflessness. Yes, you may enter into that relationship as two selfish people, having your own agenda, having your own intentions. But if you're trying to strive for something meaningful, something successful, something healthy, then it's going to require that you die to self. Now, a lot of times what people don't talk about is that you can be in the healthiest healthiest of relationships, and you're going to have moments that when you're operating in love, other things are going to show up. Insecurities are going to show up. Indifferences are going to show up. Strife may show up. Discord may show up. How is it that y'all deal with those types of situations? Do you allow the sun to go down on your wrath? Do you allow to hold that against the person? Do you allow the small foxes to spoil the vine? The only way that you're going to truly, truly know if you are operating in love, is for you to lay it at the altar, for you to be able to be present in the moment, to speak your truth in love, and then for you to be receptive to the feedback that you receive once you've spoken your truth in love. See, one thing that couples have to understand, whether you're married, whether you're engaged, whether you're courting, is that Y'all got to get to a point where you can agree to disagree, and your disagreeing does not cause a break in the communication. It's really okay for you to agree to disagree. You don't, you're not going to always see eye to eye, but learning how to communicate in such a way that you're not blaming the individual and you're speaking your truth, not their truth, but your truth in love in hopes that they can hear you And then you allow them to speak their truth, not your truth, but their truth in love in hopes that you can hear them. You may both look up and realize that there was a fox trying to spoil that vine. But because now you've kept the lines of communication open and you both have been able to speak your truth in love, you have now risen to a greater level of understanding of each other and how the dynamic of your relationship and why it's so important to keep those lines of communication open and how the dynamic of your relationship is blossoming because you've opted to keep those lines of communication open. It's not always an easy thing to do, but when you're with your purpose partner, when you're trying to navigate through the nuances of a relationship, 
if you learn how to speak your truth in love and you learn how to operate in love and you get the fact that love is a selfless act, it requires selflessness, not selfishness, then it becomes easier over a course of time for you to be able to speak to that individual no matter what the subject because you now have a mutual respect for one another. And that is something that is nurtured and developed over a period of time. It does not show up overnight. That's how the two become one, is because eventually it will get to the point that you are understanding your partner's love language, they're understanding your love language, they're understanding your pet peeves, you're understanding their pet peeves, they're understanding your proclivities, you're understanding their proclivities, and you're figuring out a way to navigate in that relationship. If you are God-fearing children, you're figuring out a way to navigate that relationship where they can grow in him and you can grow in him, and y'all can grow together, and that's how he gets the glory. But it's a process that you've got to go through, and you've got to be willing to die to yourself in order for you to get through that process successfully together. Those lines of communication must remain open at all costs. There may be times that you literally are like, whew, this is a lot of work. I don't know if I have the wherewithal to be a part of this type of setup. Communicate that. Oh, I'm about to check out. I just don't think I could do that this any longer. Communicate that. Remember, it's okay to disagree. You can agree to disagree. One person may be all the way in. One person may have one foot out. Why does that one person have one foot out? Talk about it. Talk about the traumas. Talk about the disappointments of past failed relationships. Talk about the triggers. Talk about the insecurities. A lot of, a lot of the things that lie dormant in, in, when you're by yourself as a single person that you don't have to deal with because you have, you're not with anybody showing you your reflection, they will show up once you're in a healthy relationship if you're keeping the lines of communication open. Be willing to hear your partner. And hopefully your partner is willing to hear you for the sake of a better relationship. Write down your boundaries. Talk about your boundaries. Talk about those unspoken expectations. Talk about what that looks like for you. Let them talk about what that looks like for them. But figure out a way to keep the lines of communication open. Make up in your mind whether the communication toward one another, how that looks for both of you, whether good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. Create those boundaries. Okay, so what you're not going to do is talk to me in this tone. Okay, so what we're not going to do is have this type of dialogue. Okay, there's a different way for us to communicate where we can both be heard. Be willing to have those conversations. Be willing to set your expectations, but be realistic with it. Nobody is perfect. So because you know that you're dealing with an imperfect human, then be mindful of that. Because you know yourself, you are imperfect. Be mindful of that. If you know that what your triggers are, learn how to communicate that unapologetically. Because by your communicating that, guess what you're also doing? You're seeing if the person who you believe is your purpose partner can handle your truth. 
Because if that person cannot handle your truth, where you're at at this phase of your life, whatever that may look for you, look like for you, maybe the season of your being together, it's not the right season. And sometimes you have to separate, maybe just for a temporary season, for you to be able to see things clearly. When you're in the midst of the fog, you don't see all the stuff that's going on. The minute that you step outside of the fog, you get to see that fog cloud. So sometimes you can be so close to something that you can't even physically see what's going on. Be mindful of that. Sometimes you got to separate from that situation for you to remain objective. Be mindful of that. Love. How are you showing up in love? Are you showing up in love or are you showing up in lust? What is your vice? What do your triggers look like? What are your proclivities? Have you surrendered them to God or are you trying to fight these battles by yourself in hopes that one day you'll be delivered? What is your truth? I hope that this episode encourages someone, but please do me a huge favor and take care of yourselves because there is only one you. Signing out, your girl, Teresa. Y'all have a blessed one. Bye.